Hello, everyone. I'm Al Grego, and this is the Yes, We Are Open podcast. This week, I'm back in Ontario, visiting my hometown of Bradford, West Willembury. Bradford, as I knew it growing up, is situated in south-central Ontario, about an hour north of Toronto in Simcoe County. The village of Bradford was incorporated in 1857 and named after Bradford, England. In 1871, it was almost completely destroyed by fire, but was quickly rebuilt, becoming a major centre for the area in 1873 thanks to its main industry, agriculture. This industry was built on the 2,900 hectares of organic muck soil of the Holland Marsh on Bradford's south border. Fed by the Holland River, the Holland Marsh is known as the heart of Canada's vegetable industry. Its unique soil conditions are well suited for root crops such as carrots, onions, parsnips, celery, and beets, among others. Annually, the Holland Marsh generates in the range of $35 to $58 million in GDP, contributing to 95 to $169 million of economic activity in Ontario. Growing up in Bradford, the Holland Marsh was a big presence. My first job was packing celery in the marsh for $3 an hour. I was a kid, working alongside adult migrant workers. Most were barely making more than me and sending most of that money home to their families. In 1991, Bradford amalgamated with a number of neighboring communities, including West Willembury and incorporated as the town of Bradford, West Willembury. Since then, it has grown from the village of 17,000 to a town of 42,000 today. Agriculture is still a big part of the economy, but manufacturing has overtaken it to become the single largest sector in terms of employment. The business I'm visiting today has been a part of the Bradford business community for the past 36 years. It's a business I know very well, because for a few of those years, I was a student there. Back then, it was a music school in the basement of then-owner Rita Hunt. But the school has grown and moved a couple of times since then, and Rita has since retired. But the business continues as the Bradford Academy of Music. As I walk in, the owner, Tyler, is busy with a prospective customer. So I do what I usually do when I'm there. I check out the music store. Full disclosure, both my kids are students at the academy. My son is learning drums and my daughter is learning the bass. It's a modest storefront with music books, electric pianos, ukuleles, and other assorted instruments on display for sale. In the back corner, there's a humidity-controlled room with guitars hanging on all walls. Basses, electrics, acoustics, and classical guitars of various brands. I try a few out poorly until I notice the customer leaving. Then I come out to meet Tyler. Hey, hey. How's it going? Not bad. You? Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much for the, the later time. That's I totally, all right. It's totally okay. double booked myself. I was like, what? <laughs> Tyler leads me back into his office where we set up for his interview. My name is Tyler Joseph Hagop Tasunian, and uh, I am the president and owner of the Bradford Academy of Music. Okay, uh, when did you take over the Bradford Academy of Music? So my official first day of ownership was September 1st, 2017. My parents had just moved to Bradford in midsummer 2015. 
I'm originally from Markham. Over the holidays, my mom had gotten me some guitar strings for Christmas, and I didn't recognize the price tag on it. Right. Like, I'm so used to being in Toronto, Markham. You go to Long and McQuaid, you go to Cosmo Music. Yeah. I was like, well, what price tag is this? And she's like, there's a local music store in town. And at that time, I was in my fifth year of university studying for a major in music, minor in business. Okay. So it was right up my alley. I was Perfect. like, oh, interesting. Yeah. I had reached out to Rita at the time, the owner and the founder of the Academy. I had asked her if she was interested in hiring anybody on to assist with anything. She got back to me after the holidays and was like, yeah, come on in for an interview. And we interviewed and on the spot, she hired me as a manager for the front. And at the same time as a guitar and a drumming instructor. So I took that on and that was, like I said, January, 2016. And then by March, 2016, I was coming to the end of my university career. And it was March break for everyone else. I didn't have March break. So the studio itself was closed, but she wanted the store open. But Rita said, you know what? I'm going to go away to Florida for that week. So can you run the store? So I did all my classes and homework from here virtually at the time. And I I was running the store. I'm checking the emails one day, probably midweek of March break. And I see an email from a real estate agent saying, hey, Rita, whenever you're good to sell the business, I'm good to go. And I'm like, man, I just got this job. I'm loving it. I'm going to get shit canned like as soon as I can, right? Like I'm going to get trashed immediately, right? Like thrown away. And I would say maybe two weeks after she had gotten back, she came to me because I guess she had finally seen the email and said, so I guess you saw that email there. I told her I, at that point, I was contemplating a lot in my life being 23 and being a musician. I mean, my job opportunities was either be a starving artist and work your butt off until you make it or go into music business like what I was studying for. It was an opportunity calling, an opportunity knocking at my door. And I said, you know what? I would be interested in purchasing the business, but we'd have to get down to the right price. We'd have to look at things. And this was still, like I said, early on in 2016. And I didn't buy the company until September 2017. So it took a lot of time for us to kind of wage through everything, make sure everybody was good. And I had to make sure it was something I was truly dedicated to and interested in. And I had to show that to Rita too. And I, and I did. She was getting offers from bigger studio companies and other music schools to take over to branch out into Bradford. And that's not something she wanted, being the Bradford Academy of Music. The only thing she asked me to do in regards to purchasing the company was to keep the name. That was the only stipulation that she had for this. So my official first day of ownership was September 1st, 2017. And I remember the day well. I actually uh, couldn't borrow one of my parents' cars to come in. I had to walk into work on my first day. And it was really interesting because I was like, I felt like the big boss, man. I woke up. I'm like, this is day one of the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was only 23. And I asked my parents, I was like, hey, can I borrow the car? They're like, nope, you're going to have to walk in. (laughs) Fortunately, my parents' house is not far from the academy. They think, oh, you think you're a big shot? That's right. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. They're like, take your briefcase that has all the cool stuff in it that you got just for this job Mm -hmm. and walk your your tushy into into your first day of work. I was still living at home. I was just a couple months into dating my now current wife. And uh, it was was a whole different lifestyle at the time. And I went from being the one showing up at two or three o'clock in the afternoon 
to find Rita here working yeah. to me being here and Rita showing up at two or three o'clock in the afternoon right. as she helps me, helps guide me in the first few months of ownership. So she was here for a transition. Before. Yeah. So she actually technically in our contract was, I think it was a two year transition period. But when things started to get really down to the nitty gritty and stuff, I found myself kind of wanting to push beyond that and kind of start doing things on my own sure. and, and shifting how things worked. And because I wanted to change so much, she was just kind of like, hey, I'm just going to let you do your thing. And it ended up working out. When you took over, how many teachers did you have? At that time, I think it was only about 12. And I had to shift my teaching to one of my, one of my friends ended up coming on and joining on and taking over my students for guitar. And then another friend joined for the drums. And these were musicians I just performed with in different bands sure. and various experiences and stuff like that. And they were my buddies outside of work. And at that time, I think we had about 250 students. And your main service was obviously lessons and you have the store up front. Mm -hmm. what, were there any other revenue streams? We did some repairs here and there. We it was, it was in a small space, but we still utilized it how we could. And that was pretty much it. We did offer rentals, but it was very minimal. Usually it was on things like violin specifically. Sure. We okay. did summer camps at the time too, okay. which was really cool for the younger kids. We did about two years of that into my ownership as well too. a business a well-known business in town from a well-known business owner in town how did the community receive you? that's a good question uh fortunately i was gifted with a fairly solid photographic memory so seeing people's faces and relating it to the names in the system and stuff i, I was able to start calling a lot of our customers by their first names mm -hmm. knowing their families getting to know them but yeah like i wasn't well known in the town at all nobody knew who i was taking right. over only people who as they would come in would get to know me and a lot of times because we had two separate desks at the time, Rita was working at the front at the administrative side of the lessons. I was more yeah. of the store and the repairs guy. People would go over and I would hear them on the other side with Rita being like, yeah, I just talked to your son on the other side. <laughs> and because we both had these dark features, yeah. she's Italian, I'm Armenian. Yeah. So we had a lot of similar features. So we always joked around about sure. that. But yeah, as the community started to grow, and I became more well-versed. I started going to things like the karaoke events that would go on in town at some of the local bars, getting to know some uh, local musicians and bands. And people would come in looking for gear. Sure. And because of the way I started to develop the store, we started to have that gear in stock. And these were customers that had come who would tell me they'd come like six years prior and say, oh, I wouldn't be able to find anything like this in here. And that was the major shift to some of the big brands like Epiphone, like uh, right. Ibanez, like Takamini that I wanted to bring in. Stuff that wasn't just get the students started. Right. It was stuff to serve the greater good of Bradford's music community. How long did it take for you to be comfortable as the owner of the business? Like, oh, I'm now in charge, buck stops at me, and we're doing well. At what point were you like, oh, yeah, we're good? Probably after my first summer okay. of owning the business. Because the way our school year looks, September's a major start. It's right back into classes. Everybody's kind of good. And we push towards our Christmas concert. Christmas concert, big deal. That went really well. And everyone was really happy. And then as we go into 
our spring and then into our summer where our summer slows down the most, I'm looking at the bank account now being like, are we going to make enough for payroll this month? Or are we going to do this and that? And fortunately, my dad is my accountant. He's our main financial guy. He'd always come back to me and he'd reinforce like, this is the trend. This is what it looks like. This is where we're at. But he'd say, look, you're up. Like you're growing the business. It takes money to earn that money, yeah. right? So a lot of the times when I was nervous about this stuff, I'd go to him and he'd be like, don't worry about it. And we would move past it. And then at the end of that first summer, when, when I got my feet wet, going into the September scheduling, getting everybody ready, re-signing all the teachers' contracts because they're all contracted annually, that was when I really was like, okay, I get it now. This is making sense. This is what we need to do. This is how we're going to progress. And it's just, a, it's a slow growing process. And I think that's the same with any sort of business owner right now. Let's fast forward to late 2019. Let's look at the business. How many teachers did you have? We had 15 teachers at that time. Okay. And students? March 2020. Mm-hmm. We hit our highest students ever, even to date. Oh, wow. Okay. I counted our students. We were at 425. Wow. That's almost doubled. Exactly. So those first couple of years that you took over the business, I mean, you were successfully growing it. Can I use the word thriving? Oh, absolutely. One of the things I guess that was really tough for me getting started was seeing independent teachers rising up in town sort of thing and becoming the name of the game for certain instruments. There was your competition. That's right. One of the things we would learn in business school was competition can be healthy. And I started to notice that when students would move over from those teachers being like, you know, we didn't really quite like this or we didn't quite like that. And I'm sure we had students leave from here and go to those teachers and say the same things. And that's when I started to realize, okay, you know what? It's not about being the best. It's about providing the best and showing them that we can do it. Next, Tyler has successfully taken over Rita's business and managed to almost double the number of students at the academy. But what happens when in-person music lessons are forced to stop indefinitely? Stay tuned to find out. You're listening to Yes, We Are Open. Fresh out of university, Tyler Tassunian seized an opportunity to buy his boss out and become the owner of the Bradford Academy of Music, and it seemed to be the perfect fit for the music major, who also minored in business. The transition happened smoothly, and he was growing all aspects of the business, but he was about to face the greatest test in his young entrepreneurial career. How did he fare? Let's find out. Uh, what's been your biggest struggle as, as an owner of the Bradford Academy? Uh, I mean, had to have been like during the time of COVID for sure. There was always going to be little things dealing with tough clients, things like that. But the week of COVID, when I said we we hit 425 students, I was in here when we were told to stay home. I was all locked up and I didn't even turn the lights on because I'm like, I'm going to save as much electricity as I possibly can. I'm just going to be me and the computer and the phone. And that's it. And I had to call all of the students of our 425 students And not necessarily beg them, but push them towards trying to do a virtual lesson with us. So online lessons. Online lessons. (music) 
we we did it with Skype. And the thing was too is at that time a lot of our teachers were older teachers who weren't as well versed in online. Right. So I had to go develop Skype accounts, emails for each of these teachers that I had access to and control of yeah. for, you know, privacy stuff. Develop all these, get the teachers set up with it, develop a manual on how Mm-hmm. the teachers are to set themselves up. If I couldn't go, I went to three teachers' houses and set it up for them yeah. and then tested it at that time on top of being here and calling all these students and booking them in for virtual lessons. So we went from 425 students to 165 wow. in one week. one week. One week. It was, I think, maybe three days of calls, three solid days, eight-hour days of calls, and we had that shift. And even during that time, a lot of parents that stayed of the 165 would say, well, we'll try it for a week yeah. and see how it goes. It's the lowest that number ever got. I think it was like maybe 140. So to be at half of where I'd originally bought the company from or just not, just above half yeah. was a nightmare for me. Yeah. And at that time, I was still in the process of paying the owner off the rest of it. And, uh, you know, fortunately, Rita was very generous and was like, okay, we can push it back by a couple months and things like that. But at that time, I went and saw our biggest year, even still today, we haven't even hit 425 students the way we were, the way things were going at that time. And people had money at that time. Now people don't. We went from that 425 down to like that 140, 160, 140. And... You know, I was I was really losing sleep at that point sure. in time. Uh, yeah. You know, we opened for July and August. We closed for September, and then I think October, and then we opened back up for November, and then closed again in December. And it was always just opening and closing, yeah. based on those cases at the time. Paying the rent. I mean, at that time, you know, fortunately enough. Our landlord was giving us like a bit of a, a discount on things. He was like, you know, we'll pay 50% and you pay 50% of your rent at the time. Government supporting yep. that. Government wage subsidies help. We didn't take CERB, but we did take the government guaranteed grant or whatever right. it was of the 60000 and put it towards things that we needed to do, mm-hmm. uh, which included those plexiglass barriers, keeping things afloat. And we did it. And during that time, I had to be like, what are we going to do? How are we going to make things work? And at that time, a lot of our teachers even realized they don't want to teach music anymore. And it wasn't that they don't love music. It was that it's such a volatile career to be in. They noticed that, you know, how are we going to eat, make ends meet? How are we going to eat every day? How are we going to sleep every day? Knowing that our students aren't even like fully able to come in to classes at that time. I think we lost six teachers at that time. It's a lot. It is. So there was a major shift and I was only 26. Yeah, it would have been 26, 27 at the time. Still, I'm just still just this young guy just coming out of university in my yeah. mind, right? Like I'm yeah. still trying to figure it all out. Back to your that accountant that always told you it's all good. It's all yeah. good. You're good. Did you ever have any you know, go and no-go meetings with him and say, I can only make it for this long before we have to... You know what? I'm very fortunate. My father is a very opportunistic and future thinking kind of guy. He dealt with his major company during like the 2008 recession stuff. I was a kid at that time living with my parents, but hearing him go through that with my mom, I know he wasn't going to bring that on, put that stressor on me the same way it was for him. Not once did he say, you know what? We're not going to be okay. 
it was keep making those calls keep booking people in work on the website when you're not doing that stuff because it just gave me the opportunity to keep doing things virtually and he said keep yourself busy don't just sit around and, and I'm a pretty avid video game player. I was sitting at home playing video games sure. a lot during that time. So that was something I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of stick away from this. I'm going to come and I would force myself to come into work. And at that time I was actually living in Barrie with my then girlfriend, now wife. And I would drive in still, even though there was no need for me to drive in, I could do it all virtually from home. Yeah. But just but sticking to that routine, stick to the routine, come in. I was here for three or four days a week at that time, but it was just in case. What if somebody needs to, Call me, answer the phone. How have you been able to bounce back? Well, one of the major things was getting more teachers in. Mm -hmm. Those same students that were struggling through university at the time, they came out of university, they were looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. So we brought on a lot, a lot of these younger kids, 21, 22 year olds, that were studying music at York University, same as me. And I was just posting on their pages saying, hey, you're looking for a job. You live anywhere from North, uh, like from Newmarket, even Aurora, mm -hmm. and you want a job, let me know. We'll get you hooked up. That was the major shift was get the teachers back in, fill their schedules. And as people started to move further north after the pandemic, yeah. where the housing market started getting kind of crazier and crazier, we started seeing young families in here. You know, they've got five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven, eight-year-olds coming in, taking classes. I also ended up joining the Bradford Board of Trade at that time. It's a group that advocates for small businesses and helps with government affairs, things like that. And I joined on as a board member. And then I ended up joining on as I'm being voted in as a director. And now I'm actually the, the, uh, the VP of membership for them. So I help it run membership. And that was the thing. Basically, following COVID was about me getting my name out there yeah. and selling myself as the academy to promote that side. the pandemic in terms of number of staff absolutely and what's your student count students i mean it's tough to say right now with the summer because the summer is usually a bit slower right. but i'll give you what what it was just before yeah. i think our peak was yeah at about 350 in may okay so i mean that's not bad you're at least at a number uh, higher than when you first bought the pandemic. exactly and you're well on your way to hopefully excelling and exceeding yeah. from that right yeah, and yeah great. so fortunately yeah when we came back actually september of 2020 mm -hmm. from march when when all that happened we had gone up to about 300 students. So as soon as we started developing our in-person system again, showing people the benefits of what we were doing, we shot right back up. One of the major things I'm, I, Moneris did for me for sure was when, when I had originally purchased the company, got us into doing payments and everything online. Okay. So a lot of our students actually go through a Visa and MasterCard system mm -hmm. through their Merchant Direct portal. Okay. And so we've been utilizing that from before then, but it was really nice and simple. I think one of the features they actually added onto that portal during COVID was, do you want to hold all payments? Right. It was easier for me to hold all 425 students mm -hmm. and then re-add 160 back yeah. than to go through each individual one and hold them all yeah. one at a time. So that was really beneficial for us. Coming up after the break, we find out what the future holds for Bradford Academy of Music. 
success in business doesn't come without moments of struggle. Moments when you had to face your challenges head on. As the proud partner of Canadian business, Moneris plays a critical role in empowering businesses with the payment processing tools they need to succeed. Together, we are building stronger businesses where business owners everywhere can stand up to their challenges without slowing down. Moneris, proud partner of Canadian business. Welcome back to Yes, We Are Open. With a little counsel from his accountant and father, Tyler Tassunian has successfully navigated his business out of the pandemic. He's now eager to return Bradford Academy of Music to its previous highs and beyond. So what does the future hold for Bradford Academy of Music? Let's find out. What is the future outlook for Bradford Academy of Music? Right now, I want to expand completely to have a space where we have a, a venue, full venue space, so people, we can start doing jam nights. We can start doing performances. So that means a change in venue. Like a change in- that would be the plan. Yeah. So right now, this is just still a rental unit space. And what I wanted to do, or what I've put in the mind of our <clears throat> landlord is, get into one unit, start expanding from there. Otherwise, I would be looking at some sort of land and then building. The good thing about being on the Board of Trade and being a, a, an advocate through the government itself, the municipal government, is that the people I know, the people I work with, the people I play in, in bands with, mm-hmm. all work closely with, with the town. Yeah. And I know for a fact that music is being slept on in town. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of young musicians out of interest they go to Newmarket, they go to Barry to perform, right. and then therefore moving their money and the economy towards them. Mm-hmm. And we need it more centralized into Bradford. So the plan would be to really start developing the school as its own independent entity, the store as its own independent entity, and then a venue space, maybe a cafe, something like that, where people can come in, bring their instruments, play, mm-hmm. and just go and enjoy themselves. We have a lot of people that, like I said, have recently moved to Bradford saying, hey, I want to start a band. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. Well, there's nowhere really in town where they can sit down and just start playing together right. outside of their garage or their parents' ba- or like the yeah. basement or something, right? And even then, a lot of people don't want that at home anymore. Yeah. They're looking for that rental space. They're looking for that venue space. And since the pandemic, we've actually started to horizontally integrate into the arts in general. And with that being said, my father's major background when he was growing up was in picture framing and art like visual artwork Mm -hmm. and so what we've developed now is the bradford art and framing and so we do custom picture framing we sell music art uh we've been able to get our hands on blueprints of original fender instruments original marching drums the blueprints of them and selling those as as nice little features to have i even had a meeting earlier today which unfortunately i had to delay ours with uh because i double booked myself from a lady who creates uh, they're a creative team that developed these like ornaments and things like that that are instruments. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like nice little novelties for the Christmas season for, and then just trying new things like that and just putting the mindset of music into the town of Bradford more, whether it's with lessons, whether it's with instruments or whether it's with performances mm-hmm. or even little tchotchkes, just kind of having an outlet for people to get all their music stuff in one location. How do you feel with what you've done, how you've grown the business and how do your parents feel about it? You know, how does how your wife feel about it? My parents were super proud of me from day one. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of my two other siblings and I was always the one kind of on set for working towards some sort of goal mm-hmm. of doing something. And, you know, like I said, my dad came along and he helped me out with a lot of stuff too. But he always says, you know, you've got to be the one to make the final decision. So all I did was write in this. I still have it. It's right here in this notebook. And I just put Bradford Academy of Music Ideas, page July 7th, 2017. Wow. Okay. And all it is is these are the things I want to change. Mm-hmm. 
and I've done every single one of these. Yeah. Those were the first things. And then since then, we've kind of gone on and done more and more. And I'm sitting here writing out, this is what these people should make. This is what the rooms are going to look like how and how to do this. But I still keep this around. It's still not full. Right. There's still a lot more that can be done. My girlfriend at the time, now wife, she was like, I love these ideas. I love just seeing you sit around and, and building on this. And at the time, she was still kind of figuring out where she was at. She was doing her schooling in, in a second program. I guess it allowed her to feel stable enough that if we were to move in, if we were to kind of move things forward, she'd be able to still do her schooling while I was able to run my business and keep moving forward with things. And now she has a career in the field she was studying in too. COVID definitely took a, hit, a major hit even on us. But we made it through. And it's funny that during COVID, I ended up deciding I wanted to propose to her. And now I just got married last month. And thank you. It happens that fast. I'm just very fortunate. And the people who helped me out along the way, I'm very fortunate for them too. There's never a day that goes by where I'm not thanking somebody or something for happening that helped lead to where we are today. COVID was just a learning experience for me to realize that anything can happen at any point in time. And you just got to be able to adapt to it and keep pushing forward and make things happen because nothing's just going to happen like that. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Al. Tyler, is Bradford Academy of Music open? Yes, we are open. That's the story of Bradford Academy of Music. I've said many times in the past on this podcast that starting your own business is not for the faint of heart. Not only do you have to start from zero with building your product or service and create the operations around it to make it available to customers, you then have to convince people that they need your product or service enough to part with their hard-earned money. Buying an existing business might seem like a shortcut, and in some cases, it is. But that can come with a whole other set of challenges especially when you're buying an established business from a well-known and beloved owner in a small community like Bradford. Change too much and you alienate your loyal and long-standing customers, but don't make any changes and you risk stagnant growth and being left behind by new competition. It seems Tyler did it the right way and has been very successful so far. He was even able to survive the pandemic. Rita has left her legacy in good hands. I've seen Tyler's book of ideas and I can attest it's not nearly full. So I expect big things from Bradford Academy of Music and Tyler Tissunian in the not-too-distant future. And being a musician myself, I look forward to how that future will sound. Yes, We Were Open is a Moneris podcast production. I'd like to thank Tyler for taking the time to share his story. You can learn more about Bradford Academy of Music at bradfordacademyofmusic.com or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Bradford Academy of Music. And on Twitter, they're at Bradford AC Music. Please support this podcast by writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a Canadian small business owner or know of one with an interesting story of perseverance to tell, I'd love to help tell it. You can contact me at podcast at Tune in next week for another story of small business struggle and survival on the Yes We Are Open podcast. 
I'm Al Grego. Thank you for listening. Thank you.